Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Diego and DeVore show. And they pulled somebody up from the grave, Derek Flair. And here I am to tell you that you're in the right place whenever you see the Diego and DeVore show on your screen you are in the right place and it's gonna be big woo tonight welcome to another episode of the diego and divorce show brought to you by anchor.fm with your host diego de la rosa and lord ever divorce we talk about all things wrestling untold stories current events and what's to come step into that squared circle with us as we take you on a fun-filled ride Right, here we go with a very special edition of the Diego and Divorce Show. Unfortunately, Diego is again out on assignment, and uh, I'm going to have to fire him for not being here because today I've got somebody here that I've been wanting to talk to for a very long time. And I know everybody's going to enjoy it just as much as him and I are going to enjoy just sitting down and chewing the fat. And for those of you that don't know, Ben Throckmorton was a promoter back in the late 90s to the in early uh, millennia and he held uh, in my opinion anyways one of the best companies out there and it, it was as true as you could to working for an actual territory and uh, lots of great memories there and Ben was extremely successful at it so I'm grateful first and foremost that Ben would give me a little bit of his time I know he's a busy man and uh, come on here and just talk about and chat up the past, how NACW became, and uh, what he's doing now. So without any further ado, the former owner of North American Championship Wrestling, Ben Throckmorton. Ben, thank you so much for being here. How's it going, man? I'm doing Oh, you're welcome. Oh, thank you, man. I'm doing what I can to stay away from the murder hornets and the sandstorms. That's right. That's right. At least we didn't. Uh, at least we didn't get the uh, what was the, the movie where the where the, the the dragon or whatever. Oh, it was the mummy. The mummy came up in the sandstorm and. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It seems it seems like this whole year's been that way. So hopefully, uh, hopefully things are going to get better. I'm hoping so. Anyhow. Absolutely. Now, before we dive into the wrestling aspect, one of the things that I know a lot of people might not know about you, especially from the wrestling world is I, I went back and I did a little bit of homework. You were actually in a band. I was years ago in college and uh, a few years beyond that. Um, played guitar and screamed and shouted and carried on. Yeah, it was fun. Now, what I want to know is how come you never picked up that instrument and played at the show? That would have been fantastic. <laughs> yeah, they, the crowds are small enough to bore you. <laughs> I didn't want to run anybody else off, you know. So, no, no, I, I was a, I was a novice at best, but we had a good time at it. It's always it's it's always the little things in life, the hobbies like that, that we look back and appreciate. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Now, growing up, um, when did you first discover wrestling, and and which one made the impact on you? Was it uh, NWA? Was it WWF at the time? Uh, I lived in Western North Carolina. Uh, grew up, born, and raised in in Mount Airy, North Carolina. So I I was lucky enough. Um, I, my grandpa loved wrestling. My, my mom's dad, 
and uh, so I would watch I would watch the uh, the Mid Atlantic show on Saturday afternoon with him from I don't know maybe from the time I was ten years old. You know, we we would sit and watch that on Saturday afternoon, um, and he really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it, and then of course later on there was the IWA uh, came into the area and, and ran semi regularly in, in Mount Airy, so we would go and see that. Um, you know, Johnny Powers, Bulldog Brower, Mighty Igor. Um, so I got to see a lot of it, actually. I got to see the Mid-Atlantic. I got to see the IWA. I, there were a lot of indies running back then. Uh, Johnny Hunter, um, Tony Hunter's dad, had an indie called the EWA. They had TV. Charlie Babb had, had independence on television at that point. So there was a lot of wrestling. I enjoyed it all. I guess my, my favorite was the IWA. For, I don't know. They, they ran... From '75 to maybe mid '77, when Powers finally closed it up, quit. But but uh, it was enjoyable. It was a little more, I don't know. I'd say it was a little more over the top than Mid Atlantic. I think the work was better at Mid Atlantic. It was more believable. And, but but whatever. When you're 12 years old, you know it's just fun. It's a good time. Absolutely, it's entertainment. Now, what age were you when you kind of got the feeling that what you're watching on TV or what you're watching live, it isn't what it is. Um, probably 12 or 13 years old. I mean, I, you know, I knew pretty, pretty quick that Paul Jones wasn't going to whip black Jack Mulligan, you know, <laughs> without some, without some assistance. But, you know, it's like I said, it was, it was fun to me. I enjoyed it. And, you know, it was one of my, it was one of my pastimes watching wrestling. And, and uh, I got out to the live shows as much as I could, as we could afford. And, and uh, Pop would take us to the shows when they would come to town. So, it was a lot of fun, and uh, but yeah, it didn't take long to figure figure out what was going on. Now that being, but said, back then at least they did. Yeah, well, back then, uh, just to add an appendix, they it, they didn't rub your you know rub your face in it, you know. So, right. Um, yeah, so it, it made it a little bit easier to, I guess, what do they say, suspend disbelief. I don't know if that's what I was doing, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. Now that being said. You know, flash forward, you're a promoter, and looking back at your shows, did you ever come to a point where you were, you felt that you were putting on just as good a product as what you remember as that 12-year-old boy? Um, We did some stuff that was very good um, over the course of the, uh, I think I started in, I don't know, early when I started in 99, I think, and, and finished up in early 2005, uh, was the last show I ran. Uh, but, but over that period of time, we did some stuff that was very good. And we did some stuff that, you know, that wasn't so good. Um, you know, just looking back on it, watching tapes. And um, it's, it's, it's funny. The, I mean, there just wasn't a plethora of, of, of believable talent. You know, and I guess it's, I don't know what it's like now out there, but, you know, I kept the same guys around. You were there. Uh, Lover was there. Uh, Main Attraction was there. Danny Dollar was there. Uh, you know, I kept the, the, the same core of talent for a very long time because, I mean, there just wasn't, I mean, there wasn't a lot of guys who could carry matches, you know, to be honest, to make it look like I wanted it to look. That's the, I guess that's the, the kicker there, but, um, I want to tell you a quick story, um, and 
if I if I uh, if I ramble too much, you just cut me off. But <laughs> but no, no, um, I set aside the rest of the afternoon. Like I said, I've been looking forward to this for a very long time, so I'm all ears. I went to um, I was somebody had given me Ole Anderson's phone number, and I don't I don't remember who gave it to me, um, but um, I called him up one day. I was just sitting here in the office. And uh, so I called him up and I said, uh, Mr. Anderson, this has been talked about. I'm promoting ACW wrestling. We're on, you know, TV here, there, and we're getting ready. It was when we were getting ready to go on Comcast Sports South. Um, and I said, I've got a slot coming up. It's nine o'clock on Friday night. It's good. I said, I'd just like to send you some tapes. And, and uh, if you would take a look at them and, um, you know, give me a call and give me some suggestions, you know, whatever you know, whatever you, you think of it or whatever you think should be done or shouldn't be done or if I should close it up. <laughs> and I said, if you'd do that for me, I'd be happy to pay you, you know. And uh, fully thinking that I would never hear back from him. Well, the next day he called me, which, you know, surprised me. You know, this is Ole Anderson. And, and a lot of people have Ole stories, uh, but um, he invited me down. So a couple weeks later, Randall Randall Brown and I, went down to his home there and uh, I think it's on uh forget the lake it's on there in Georgia. It's just beyond just beyond uh, Clemson. Um and we sat down in his house and we watched tapes for a couple hours and he sat there and talked and, and um I got ready to leave he said, What are you? He said, uh, he said, Let's go up the street, you can buy me lunch. So he, well, he wouldn't take any money. Uh, but we did go up and buy him lunch. But one of the things he said, the reason I told you that was he looked at the tapes and he said he said you you've got some decent guys he said you don't have anybody that i would have used in 1982 other than in a in a manner of doing you know enhanced metallic doing jobs on tv he said you just there's nobody there like that he said but you've got some decent folks you've got a decent he said you're going to have a decent time slot he said you know you make him do something with it He, he made some suggestions and First one thing and the next, but I thought that was funny that he watched, you know, we watched, I don't know, he scrolled through five or six of the tapes and, and he's, you know, that's what he said. That's what he had to offer. So, um, so, you, you know, I, I think that was, that was part of it. You know, when you're doing a weekly TV and you need, you need five matches for your weekly TV. Right. Um, and there's just not enough guys. There's just not enough guys to keep that fresh. And he told me that that day. He said, I think the biggest problem you're going to have, he said, is, is and, and he used the main attraction as a, an example because I forget who they were wrestling on the tape, but that was one of the matches we were watching. He said, you can take these guys, get some heat on them, make them your champions or whatever that. And he said, you might get a, you know, you might get a three-month deal out of that. He said, now the question is, what do you do at the end of three months? He said, now, you know, the people are tired of seeing the main attraction. What do you work, you know, who are you going to get to come in and fill that void? And then where are they going to go? Because they don't have anywhere else to work. He said, you can't kill them off on TV, let them do jobs. So he said, at the end of three or four months, they got to go somewhere. Get rid of, you know, they got to go. People don't need to see them anymore. You need fresh talent. You need a steady flow of fresh people on your TV. And we didn't, we didn't have that. And I never could find that. So 
anyway, um, and main attraction were great. That's why, you know, they were around all the time because they could, you know, you know, as well as I do, they could get a match out of anybody. It didn't matter who it was. Oh, absolutely. I could put any, I, I could put anybody on TV with, with Chris and Scott and it was going to look okay. Yep. You know, it wasn't going to look bad. So, yep. so and, and you were like that. My best matches was working main attraction. It was the easiest night in the office and it was the most fun I had. Yeah, yeah, they were they were they they were both good, good guys, easy to work with. You know, show up on time. You know, it was just they were they were good boys. Of course, so a lot of the guys. Up, that, that when did you decide I'm going to open up NACW? And what was the driving force? Did you just want to throw a couple of shows in the beginning, or did you have the plan? Because I know at one point. I heard that we were on in 13 or 15 states on Comcast. I mean, it was a rather large regional promotion. It might have might yeah, not we were looked on like it. that when you walked in the doors, but you were definitely gaining a lot of ground. Yeah, we, we um, I guess at our high point, we were on high point, low point. <laughs> we were on 13, we were on in 13 states. I think it was 26 major markets. We were on in Nashville, Knoxville. Uh, Atlanta, uh, Memphis. We were on in, in uh, oh, I don't know. We were on in Alabama. We were on in uh, Mississippi. We were on in Florida. Uh, we were on all over South Carolina, all over Georgia. Um, and we, we drew, you know, the TV would, would draw similar numbers to what TNA was drawing, you know, uh, with no, you know, with nothing out there to support it. It just, it just came on and people, you know, people would find it scrolling by. Um, but I think the first three weeks it was on, there was high, they were doing high school football. Comcast would play a high school football game um, from the local markets. So there would be a game on Friday night, you know, in Memphis, from two of the Memphis high schools. And Atlanta, the same thing. There'd be two Georgia high schools playing. So that, that drew big audiences. And then, of course, when that went off, wrestling came. So I think a lot of people found us that way because there was a lot of people watching, you know, before us. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, the, the numbers were okay. The TV did fine. Um, it's just, you know, it was just, it was, um, I think I heard uh, Jim Cornette say one time he got too big to be too small. He was too small to be big. Right. Um, and that's kind of, you know, it got to where it was so expensive. I mean, I wasn't, everybody thought I was rich and wealthy. I wasn't rich and wealthy. I was just pitching pennies and, uh, and trying to put it all together, but, um, but it just, it just outgrew what I could do, you know, and we, you know, we would run, you know, we'd run, uh, I'd do six shows, seven shows a month and we'd do, you know, three, the three that I promoted that I could get to and put the posters out and sell sponsorships. And those three would do really well. And the ones that I relied on sponsors to do, you know, you'd go and there'd be a hundred people in the building or 75 people in the building. Um, so it was just, I just, I, you know, I couldn't afford to hire a bunch of people to go do it. I looked for money the whole time I was running, but I, I never did get anybody, never did get anybody, you know, to say, okay, here's, you know, here's a quarter of a million dollars, knock yourself out for six months and see what you can do. Right. Um, that's, that's a uh, hard thing to do even now. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's hard to find money. I'm sure. I'm sure, but it was it was a good time. A lot of memories, uh, a lot of good and a lot of bad. <laughs> <laughs> now, looking back, 
you, you, you know, you say that you had a, a unique locker room because there wasn't a whole lot of talent out there to pull from. But the talent right. that you did have in that locker room, for what it was worth, did a very good job. When you yeah. were putting yeah. together I mean, we the had locker some... room, what were you looking for in a worker? Um, I just want, I wanted people, you know, I think I, uh, I don't know if you remember Savar or not. Yeah. You do? Well, yep. I told Savar one night, you know, Savar, Savar had a great look. I mean, you know, he's a big guy. He was tall and strong. You know, he had the long hair. And and I and I told him, uh, you know, one night we were just talking, and, and I said, just don't do stuff you can't do. He said, why? And I said, don't do stuff you can't do. You know, don't do stuff that's going to make you look stupid. You know, I said, go out there, and if you know if you can do a clothesline, go out there and work work it around the clothesline. Do ten minutes. I said, you can you can do ten minutes and never lock up. Absolutely. So, so just when you're talking to whoever you're going to work with, don't let them plan stuff out that you can't do. Don't make them make you run the ropes and, and do all these high spot things because you can't do them. But, you know, that was just a hard thing to get people to do. I don't know, you know, everybody wanted to get their stuff in. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Um, and Brad, you know, and I like Savar. No, and uh, like, uh, you know, Brad Hunter, I know. Brad Hunter's a great guy, and he was he. Uh, Brad always did well for me, um, but he and Savar, and that was the same night. I think we were in Shalot. His memory serves, and he went out there, and he, I mean, he just made Savar look dumb. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, no, he, he wasn't. He didn't work Savar. He worked Skinny Kenny Arden, and uh, RRP to Kenny Skinny, uh, Skinny Kenny. Uh, you remember Kenny Arden? You remember yeah. Kenny? He was from Georgia. Yeah, you know, he did the, the whole the whole fat gimmick, and he would sell the exercise tapes at his gimmick yep. table and all that stuff. Yeah, cool guy, really cool guy, great worker. But he went out with Brad, and, and Brad just kept doing silly things. So we, we got in, the, in, and Brad was trying to do all his spots. When I say silly things, I don't mean, you know, he was doing dumb stuff. He was just trying to get his stuff in. Well, hell, Kenny weighed 325 pounds, you know, so... Um, when we got back to the locker room, I said, I said, why did y'all do all that stuff? He said, well, we're just trying to entertain people. And I'm like, well, don't <laughs> you know, do, the, do the stuff, do the stuff you can do to make it, you know, to make it look right. So, so later in that taping, Kenny went out and wrestled Savar. And of course, Kenny, you know, put Savar over, uh, and he was going to put Brad over too, you know, cause he, you know, he wasn't coming back regular. He just, he came with Woody one night from Georgia just to ride. And, you know, Woody called me and said, hey, this guy can work, and and uh, he'd like to be on TV. He don't care if he loses or whatever. He's just going to come up there and you know, spend a weekend with me. I said, that's fine. Bring him. So, um, but he made Savar look like a million dollars. They got out there, and he had a he had a toilet paper plunge, you know, the thing the toilet paper hangs on with, mm-hmm. the, with the spring in it. And he had that, and he was plunging Savar, and Savar was selling. And, they, you know, they went about eight minutes like that. Savar finally crawled up on the second rope and hit the worst-looking top rope clothesline you've ever seen in your life and covered it <laughs> for the three count. And you would have thought The Rock was in the building and won the title. Everybody went up in the air. And, you know, they were all cheering. And I'm like, that's just how simple it is. You know, I mean, it's just not, it's not rocket science. But 
if you can't do higher Karanas, don't do them. I mean, that's just that's that's all I tried to get across. I just wanted it to look real. I didn't I didn't mind a comedy spot once in a while. I mean, sometimes people want a comedy spot, but you just you, you can't make you can't make guys look dumb, you know. And, and you know, uh, Carnage. I know, um, he, you know, he had that problem. Um, he, you know, he would go out and work Brad or somebody like that, and he would try to do Brad's match. Well, Carnage wasn't a great worker to start with. Uh, you know, he had the look, and 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 um, that was an, an interesting how that came about. I just I found his picture on the internet and called him, and that was the first show. That's how he wound up the champion. But uh, uh, I liked Carnage. I know the, a lot of the guys didn't like Carnage, but the the first night. Did he wrestle? I think he wrestled Bill Eady the first night, superstar. So Bill comes after the match. Bill got me off in the corner and slowed. He said, "Come over here a minute." I got it. He said, "He looked at me. He said, you know your champion's not very good, don't you?'" <laughs> <laughs> you know that's Bill straight shooter. Yeah, that's him. That's what he did. And. Uh, he said he's fine as long as you don't do much with him. I said, you know, but he, he he's not. I said, well, but uh, if you did the things he could do, he he could have a good match with you. You know, that's that's uh, the bottom line, I guess, that I'm trying to make as I ramble through this thing. But if you would do the, you know, you just do the things that, that you know, that you, the two of you can do together, and then it turns out real good. But when one of you can't do that, then you're just, you know, it ends up a mess. Right. Um, but I guess where was I going with that? Long story short, we did some really good stuff, but we had some we had some clunkers along the way too. Well, everybody has clunkers. It doesn't matter what the letters of the company are. Everybody's going to have their good nights and their bad nights. Um, check right. me up on the creative process. Who was your creative team? Because there there were so many moving pieces during my time there that you never. What? Sometimes you never knew which Indian was the chief and which one was just there? Well, uh, when we started, I was doing everything. I mean, I, I would, I would, uh, of course we didn't script anything, but I would put the matches together, set the interviews up. Uh, I was trying to do the commentary and, and I mean, pretty quick, I figured out that wasn't going to work. Um, so pretty much the whole time, the whole five years I was running, I was trying to find somebody to help me who was, you know, who was knowledgeable, who could, you know, somebody who knew how to do this stuff. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm flying blind and learning on the fly was what I was doing. So, um, you know, there was Charlie, you know, and, and I, you know, Charlie was Charlie. I liked Charlie, but you know, you, you couldn't get Charlie to work. I mean, he wanted to show up 10 minutes before the taping started and just put it all together and it wound up being a mess. Uh, then you had Manny and of course, you know, Manny's Manny. Um, uh, who else was there? Um, trying to think back. Randall, Randall helped. Randall was probably the closest, was the closest thing I had to somebody who helped me. Uh, and Randall, and I didn't always agree. Um, but, Randall always tried to help. He, he, you know, even if I did something dumb, he'd try to help me, you know? Right. Um, now, so, when I first got there, but, I believe Ted Allen was your booker. Yeah, Ted, Ted, Ted was a hard one too, you know? Uh, 
Ted was a great worker. Oh, absolutely. Ted could work, but Ted was, he, you know, I don't want to say he was hard to work with. He didn't want to work. You know what I mean? He lived, he lived down there by Randall at the time and he was a good guy. Um, but it, it just didn't work. It didn't, you know, it didn't work out and he, he could work. I'll tell you a quick, uh, a quick Ted story, Ted and Mike Jackson, you know, Mike Jackson, I know. Okay, so we're in Hogansville, Georgia. Were you in Hogansville that night? I don't know if you no, were there or not. I wasn't there that night. Okay. So I had I had booked a show. I got a call off the TV. Sponsor wanted to do a show. It's a high school in Hogansville, Georgia, which is it's about an hour and a half on the other side of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So we're going to trek it down to Hogansville. So we're going to do Hogansville on Friday night. And then we got back, and I think we were doing um, – I think we were doing Gaffney on Saturday night because I didn't want to drive all the way down there for one show. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so I figured we'd stop halfway back, and then the next night, I think it was Gaffney we ran. So I had the sponsors, and I sent them the, I sent them the posters and the, the, the TV spots. I sent them radio spots. Well, they didn't do anything with it. And, um, I mean, there was a couple hundred people there, uh, which wasn't bad uh, in a high school gym, but... Anyway, long story short, opening matches is Ted Allen against Mike Jackson, the nightmare. Yep. Against Mike Jackson. Okay. And I said, look, yeah, yeah. And of course, Mike was the babyface. And um, uh, Tim Horner was there, had given the finishes at that point. Mm-hmm. And so I told him, he said, well, what do you want to do? So uh, we we went over the matches. And he asked, yeah. So I said, have, have Ted and Mike. Just go out there, give me ten minutes, and and you know, and and do some sort of you know some sort of finish where where uh, Ted messes up and Mike rolls him up, and pins him, you know. Let Ted get the let Ted get all the action in, and, and let Mike go over and win in the end. Just put the baby face over, okay. So I'm sitting out there watching. Well, they end up going twenty minute Broadway. So I'm sitting here and I'm watching this, and I'm like. Okay, so I went back. <laughs> Scratch your head. <laughs> so I, yes, I scratched my head, and I went. I went back, and I asked. I asked uh, uh, Tim. I said, "I said, what happened to the finish in the first match?" Well, they didn't want to do that. I said they didn't want to do it. <laughs> he said, "No." He said they had a deal where Ted puts over Mike in Georgia, and and Mike puts over Ted in Al- or Ted puts Mike over in Alabama. I said, well, I said, <laughs> so he said, they didn't want to do it. And I said, and you didn't tell them to do it anyway? Nah, didn't figure it mattered. Okay. All right. So I, I went back and I asked Ted about it. Well, you know, it's a blah, blah, blah. So what is it? Just a, you know, well, you know, maybe nobody else here is going to do their finish tonight either, Ted, you know? <laughs> <laughs> If you don't have to, why does everybody else have to? So he stomped off. He, you know, he made him mad. And of course, about an hour later, I'm standing over. I think it was an intermission. I'm standing over by the. There's a. You could go out the back of the gymnasium. They had like a smoking area outside. So I'm, I'm go over there just get a breath of fresh air. So here, here's Mike Jackson and Ted out back, and they're telling the the sponsor. They had the sponsor out back, and they said, "Look, call us next time. Don't don't call." Don't call me. He doesn't know what he's doing. We'll run you a good show next. <laughs> oh my god! 
So, so I'm like, okay. And I never, I, it's the first time I've ever told anybody that story other than Randall. Randall did. Uh, uh, but that's the first time I've ever told anybody that. But I'm, I'm standing there listening to him, you know. So, I don't know. It's just, I guess it's just wrestling. Whatever it is, it is. Yep, that's but, one of my uh, favorite but, but it funny. is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, it was an all right night, so. That's crazy. Well, I, I, I yeah. gotta say that the time that I was there, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, uh, for the folks that don't know, I, I ended up 22 years in the ring and now I own my own company. And, and I told people all the way that, uh, the first thing that I was going to do is call up Ben and apologize for all the gray hairs I gave him <laughs> because you don't fully understand this business until you get to the other side of the curtain and you go through, the growing pains and, and exactly what you, you you just described it still happens today, and so once again, yeah, I'm Ben, sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you never caused me any problems inside during the matches. It was after the matches where you caused all the issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I tell you, it, looking back, those were some of the I had some of the greatest matches of my career in your company and it was just it, it like i said it just it had a different feel than most other companies i worked for because it had that territory feel and right one of the few things that separated you from everybody else was there was you know there was a lot of indians in the back and not enough chiefs but that's any company but the boys and I, and i'm just speaking for myself but you could see where things were going. You could visualize. You were very good at laying out. This is where I want to go with you. And you right. did it so that that old that old saying, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. You kept it simple enough that everybody could follow it. And if you couldn't follow it, well, then that showed you that they really didn't need to be on the card. Right, but exactly. It, it, was, it was a tremendous time because the program that you had me in with Ricky Morton, I look back on that and, you know, Ricky and I, for a long time, we didn't see eye to eye, even during that feud. And I think that was one of the things that made it kind of special is because there, there was a little bit of legit uh, agitation on both of our ends. But by the end of that program, we had come to respect each other as, as co-workers. And I think that was one of the greatest feuds of my career was that with, with Ricky. Uh, that was probably one of the, the best things we did one of them, top, definitely top five things that we did with people was that thing, the made for a day and him calling you Mary and all that, all that crazy stuff. It was, it, it actually worked out, worked out really well. Yeah, Ricky's was, one of the good ones. He's he's a trip too. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, uh, if the world decides to open back up, I'm I'm actually bringing him in later this year to work for me. So it's going to be nice to rekindle the friendship with him knock on wood if the world opens back up how are things down your way is the world opening up is there wrestling happening your way no no there's there's nothing to go on here you're not allowed to i guess with the you know the the covid stuff there the beach open. uh they they opened up the hotels and you know so the, the beaches are have been full you know since memorial day um so we're getting a lot of the cases. Obviously, are going up, 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 up. Um, but yeah, there's there's not a whole lot going on here 
as far as any entertainment. You know, you can't eat inside a, a restaurant, those kind of things. Now, down in Myrtle Beach, they were. I don't know if they still are or not, but I know they had, I saw a list online of, I think it was 27 different restaurants in Myrtle Beach that had opened in on Memorial Day weekend, and then they closed it up because the, their workers were testing positive for COVID. So, right. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working, uh, but you know, we're, we're in the bath remodeling business. So we, you know, we go in, I got two guys working in me and we stay distance and wear masks. And so we don't, you know, so, but our business has been slow too, just like everybody else. Just people don't want you in their house. So, and I get that. It's, it's a rough time right now. And speaking of time. Um, if you if you're like I am, you love a good watch, and a good watch can be the centerpiece of your outfit. And one of the best places you can get a watch from is Invicta. Invicta has bar none one of the best watches out there. The my favorite are the 52 millimeter uh, watches, and where you can get these, where you can look at them. You just did Father's Day, and I know all you guys out there. You got the ugly ties, you got them ugly shirts that you got. What you want is a nice watch for the centerpiece. You want it to be that that showcase piece in, on your wrist where people walk up and they go, man, where'd you get that? So I'm going to tell you where to get it. Go to ucwforever.com. Go down to our partners page. Click on the Invicta banner, and they've got a fantastic sale going on right now. And I guarantee you, every watch is a masterpiece. And they have the classic watch designs. They have custom watch designs. And they make them for the ladies, too. So if you want to earn some brownie points with your uh, girlfriend or your wife, you want to get her an Invicta watch. Once again, ucwforever.com. Go to the partners page, scroll down, hit the banner for Invicta watches, and get the watch of your dreams. Now, Ben, um, chat me up. They're in, I, I forget what year, so you'll have to refresh my memory. Uh, but your show started to get bigger, your production started to get bigger, and you started, and uh, forgive me, I know I'm going to say the, the name wrong, Retribution. Right. Um, right. We did um, creative stuff there. Yeah, we did. um, There was there was a guy who contacted me. You know, like I said, I was always looking for money because I didn't have any. Um, And there was a guy who contacted me from England. His name his name was Stephen Mills, or just what he said his name was. Um, So he contacted me from England, and he wanted. He had he had sold uh, um, thirteen a season, which is thirteen shows mm-hmm. of wrestling TV to Action X Television in South Africa, and he had sold it for a pretty substantial amount of money. It was a little bit over a hundred grand. I don't know how he did that, but he, that's what he was you know telling me he had done. But he he said that um, he wanted to. Um, he wanted me to to do that. They wanted American wrestling, and that he 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 told me he was in a wheelchair and couldn't come over here. So I don't know. So he he wanted to, he, he had seen the retribution program that you just you talked about, which was a it was a two hour live broadcast in Morristown. That was uh, we did that with CSS which was broadcast into 13 states and I think it's 26 major markets. Um, but he, he was going to give me, we were going to split the production cost 
uh, and then we were going to split. You know, I don't remember the exact number, but it was going to work out to about seventy-five k a piece. And we were going to put in. I think it was uh, about forty, 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 a little over forty thousand a piece. Um, so we upped the production, um, lighting, and you know the stage, and changed the name to WXO, and and uh, of course, you know like so many times in the wrestling business and he, he sent his money for the first two events. Uh, and then he took the money and ran. <laughs> so mm. there, but, but yeah, so I wound up with WXO with, with, uh, you know, main attraction. They were seen all over the world. They were seen in Germany, Malaysia, uh, uh, in the middle East, uh, all over the place. He sold that TV all over the place and I never got a dime. Oh man. So, yeah, which was kind of a, a uh, kind of a letdown, but uh, but yeah, I'll see him sometime. The uh, karma works that way, you know how that goes. Absolutely. Now, was that the but, uh, was that the last nail in NACW? Was that when you decided, okay, enough is enough? Uh, I don't know. I got tired. You know, I, I was tired, and of course, you know, Anna. Anna, my daughter, Anna, Anna was getting old enough to know I was gone all weekend. You know what I mean? You know, when we first started, she was born in, in 99. So 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, she was, you know, she wasn't really, you know, I could leave on Thursday night and get back sometime early Sunday morning. And, and, uh, and, and she was fine. But once she got, you know, she got to age, I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to be home and, and, the and the, and it got harder and harder and harder to make any money at it. You know, when I first started, um, you know, it, you, you had to promote, you had to do your stuff, but you could go out and you could, I only ever ran one show in Shalot if it tells you anything that didn't make money. Only ever. And of course, you know, we were not talking thousands and thousands of dollars, but they all made money. Um, and of course, some of that had to do with sponsors. I always had sponsors in Shalot and that kind of thing. But, um, but it just got harder to, to make, make ends meet with it. And, and then I had beat it up for a long time. I was, I was tired of riding. So. Well, now that being said, but, yeah. if you were doing so well in, in Shalot, instead of branching out, because, you know, like you said, you, you got, you got big enough. You couldn't get any bigger without help. Why not pull back and just do Shalot and let the brand grow that way? Because, you know, looking back, uh, from a talent standpoint, I don't know if you ever knew it, but your your TV tapings were killer, man, because they they were four and six hour shows. Why yeah. not just why not just stick to the TV to that one city if you're drawing well and it's actually making, like you said, you're not making thousands of dollars, but why not just do it there where you're still making money until the demand grows for you to branch out? Did that ever was that ever an option? Well. Uh... I, I never really, you know, when I, when I started it, I had no intention of starting a wrestling show. Um, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't watched wrestling in years. Um, you know, I was a big fan when I was a kid, but when I went away to college, uh, you know, it kind of waned. And of course, when I started working up, you know, it was, it was over. I didn't keep up, but, uh, there was a guy named George Drake who re- wrestled as Ricky Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And he worked at the Advance Auto in Shalote. And George was about, eh, George was probably 335 or 340, maybe. 
uh, he was the size of Dusty Rhodes, and he he was supposedly Dusty Rhodes' nephew. That was what he was billed as. Um, and he was he was decent. He was a decent worker. Um, um, but he I, I go into I was going in there all the time, so I got to know him because I had an old Suzuki Samurai at that point in time. I was always going in there buying something to fix it with, you know. So um, he asked me if I would. He said, "Hey, are you a wrestling fan?" I'm like, well, yeah, I was a wrestling fan when I was a kid. And he said, well, we're doing wrestling Saturday night over in Whitewell. You know, why don't you come over? I'll get you a couple tickets. And I said, okay. So I rode over to Whitewell and watched them wrestle. And it was it was about what you'd expect. Um, it wasn't very good, but it, it was wrestling. They had maybe 50 people there. Um, so anyway, a couple times after that, you know, we, we talked. And, and they were running. He, he was going to do a wrestling show in Shalot, but he didn't have time. He wanted me to do that. He said, would you help me do a wrestling show to benefit juvenile diabetes? Um, and, you know, I was doing my own, mar- I had my own marketing company at that point. So I had, you know, I worked for myself um, and could pretty much make my own schedule as long as all my work got done. So I did all the postering. I did all the newspaper ads. I did all the, you know, all the pre-work. And we actually, we, I don't know, I think it was 365 people. The first show we did down there in Chilote. And, um, so that's when I was counting up the receipts that night and I'm thinking, Hey, you know, this, this could be a really cool way to make a few ducats, you know? Um, so that's, that's kind of how it, that's kind of how it happened in ACW wrestling. That's how it came to be. So, and for a while, that's all I did was slow and we were doing good with it. So then I tried, then I tried again, okay, well, let's try one over there. And I would, you know, like I went to Laurenburg. Ran the army in Laurenburg and did okay. And then I went to Hamlet and ran a lot and terrible, so I never went back there. Um, but that's kind of how it started, you know. And and I never I never really wanted to do a. I don't know. People tell me it sounds arrogant, but I wanted to build a company. I, I wasn't really interested in doing a, you know, a one-off wrestling show once a month. You know, that wasn't what I was. That wasn't what I was trying to do, but. As it turned out, you're probably right. That would have probably been more viable than what I did. Um, would it have grown? I don't know. Maybe. But I don't know. I don't know. But um, but that, that's why I tried to do what I tried to do. So then, you know, we got going. How are we going to grow this? How are we going to get the crowds up? So, you know, so, so we started on Fox TV out of Wilmington. I got a late night spot up there for free. Um, just gave really? them my ads in the show. Yeah. You know, How that was in two free television. It was it was a one o'clock in the morning thing on a I think it was on Friday night, I believe. Yeah. But but I went up and talked to them and they said, Yeah, if you want you know, so I gave them I'd cut the uh, I think it was fourteen minutes out of the show and they put in the stuff and then and then of course uh, then I went on Fox and Myrtle Beach and started paying them and that, that covered so I was all of Brunswick County, all of New Hanover County, Pender County, um, and then Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle Beach, all the way down to Florence. So we ran Florence a couple times and did okay. You worked Florence. Oh yeah. You were working the armory. You worked the armory in Florence down there. Yep, that was a good time. Um, yeah. So that was that was the that was the Jake period. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, what a period of time that was, too. 
Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if it's true or not. I, I hope it is, but I see him online now. It seems to me that he is, he is, uh, he is a lot better now than yes, he used he is. to be. Um, we which is off, which is an awesome thing. A um, couple of years back, and yeah. he was sober. Um, he was very easy to do business with, and uh, despite his age and the condition he was in physically. Um, he still had that fire. Uh, he actually begged and he wanted to go in the ring and just DDT somebody. He didn't care who it was. He just, he had that itch to go in there and do it one more time. And it was refreshing right. because that was the Jake that I remembered versus what we encountered. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that was, that was, that, that was quite, that was quite a weekend. It turned into, it turned into about a two month ordeal. <laughs> hey, but you know what? I told you right thing, didn't I? I told you to buy a burner phone and don't give him your home number. <laughs> yes, that's exactly. I gave him my office line, which was which was equally bad. Oh. He, I mean, he must call me every day for a month <laughs> after the show was over. He was going to be the booker, and he was going to do this. He was going to move down here. Could I get him a place? You, yeah, oh, man, it was tough. I think the, I, you know, everybody told me he wasn't going to show. You know, I'd heard all. You know, he, he's notorious. He's not going to show. He's not coming all the way to Florence from Texas, and and so I got Ted. Ted Allen at the time was pulling the ring, and uh, so I told Ted. I said, "Look, I said I'm going to tell Jake because the show was Friday night in Florence. So I said I'm going to tell Jake to, that I need him in Florence Thursday night by five o'clock." I said, I'm gonna, I'll put him up for, for two nights. Uh, and I said, because if he doesn't get there Thursday night, by Friday morning, you know, we, we could just, you know, we got time to, to figure out what it is we're going to do and make an, uh, you know, substitution or do something. So, uh, me and Ted, we go to, we go to Florence, pull in the ring and we get down there. Ah, shoot, we must have got to Florence to the hotel there about six o'clock. And, um, so I picked up the phone and, uh, of course the, the guy at the front desk could give me his room number. So I called him and said, Hey, we're here. Y'all want to get something to eat? He said, he said, yeah, come on down. So I walked down to his room and opened the door and he's laying on the bed completely naked. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so. So me and Ted are just kind of standing there thinking, well, what the hell is going on here, you know? And uh, <laughs> so then his driver, who was a, a, a young man, I don't know who he was. He was probably, you know, he was probably in his early 20s. He comes out of the bathroom and he's like, he's like covered in sweat. And <laughs> <laughs> Jake says, hey, y'all wait a minute. We'll get I said, no, we're going to go on across and I'll go across and get something. Y'all can join if you want to. And I'm like, they never did come, which didn't hurt my feelings, so. But yeah, it was uh, it was it was quite an introduction to my to my Jake Roberts weekend, uh, man. So uh, I had called my wife earlier that afternoon and asked her to pick up. At that point, you know, you had your answer phone. I mean, n nobody had cell phones, very few. Uh, so I asked her to pick up my messages on the office phone. See if I, you know, needed to call anybody back or whatever. So she plays this message. 
So, hey, this is Jake Roberts. Um, we're, our, we're leaving Atlanta. It's whatever time it was in the morning. And, and we, sh- we should be, you know, right on time. That's basically what he was saying. And just about the time he got done with the phone call, I hear all this shouting starting. And <laughs> evidently he just dropped the phone in the seat of the car. And the, the, this guy said, what the hell are y'all do? Y'all come in here and want to mess around with our women and, and <laughs> I, I ought to kill you. I ought to kill you. Folks. And Jake's like, Jake's like, Calm down. Everybody just calm down. And it's all on my it's all on my message phone. That is <laughs> so, Oh my God. So my wife picks this up. So fi- finally the it cuts off. So I and he was there, so I'm I guess he talked the guy out of killing him, but I'd kill you. You know, and he's cussing, carrying on and Jake's trying to talk him out of shooting him, I guess. I don't know what the deal was, but <laughs> My wife says, I don't know if he's coming or not. He might have got shot in Atlanta, judging from this phone call. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that weekend oh. it truly was it was it was an inter- it was a good weekend, but it was an interesting weekend because I don't remember where we were the second night. Uh but we Shall left I- the hotel the uh, the morning of the second day and we passed by Jake's room and uh yes, you know He's better now, so, you know, it is what it is. But he was butterball naked standing by the bathroom sink. And there was a whole pile of chicken just all over the bed. And I I remember the boys were looking at me like, do we say anything? What do we do? I said, man, just look the other way and keep on walking. (laughs) Just keep moving. That's all you can do. Like, uh, you know, still to this day, I still don't know what he was doing with the chicken on the bed. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But like I say, I'm, I'm glad he's doing all right because he, he wasn't doing all right when he was here. But I mean, that's been a long time ago, man. That's, right. You know, shit, that's 20 years ago. So um, now DDP's done a whole lot to help him. But he, he did. He, and, and I can't I can't say anything bad because, I mean, when he went to the ring, it was all business. Right. Uh, and, and he, he performed, you know, put his time in and, and, you know, was, was, he did exactly what he's supposed to do. But, but once he got out of the ring, it was on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you say yeah. now you're doing bathroom remodeling. Um, yep. that's going pretty, you know, you said it's going pretty slow. Um, is wrestling done? Do you have an itch uh, to do a couple more shows? I, I wouldn't mind doing a little wrestling if I could get in the right situation to do it, you know. Um, so I don't know. To be determined, I guess. So you still got the itch? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind, you know, doing some stuff. Uh, you know, especially if I could find some good people to do it with, and a little money to do it with. Um, you know, it wouldn't have to be anything huge or you know high end, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I really, it, it really has been, I don't know, uh, 2000, January 2005, I think it was, was the last show I ran, and I haven't, I don't know anybody, I don't, you know, I mean, I know you and, and, and uh, Lover, and I know Black Angel and Dion, and, but I don't know, I don't know anybody, I don't know, I wouldn't know anybody who's working, or who works, or if they can work at all, or, you know what I mean, I'd be just starting 
I'd be starting completely blind. I don't watch it anymore. Um, it's not entertaining to me. I don't know. If, you know, that's just me. I'm not casting dispersion on anybody. I just, I just, you know, the, the WWE stuff and you know the other stuff out there. I just don't. I just don't enjoy it. You know. Now, have you had so, a chance to watch the NWA Power? I have not watched that yet, but I, I, I was going to give that a try. Somebody else was telling me I ought to give that a try. So yes, you need to uh, give that a try because I, I think that not only will you like that product. But I think that will ignite your fire because, all kidding aside, NWA Power is probably the best product out there that I've seen in a very long time. And it has that classic um, WCW before they became WCW feel. Yeah. When Crockett had his hands on it. It's impossible to put the genie back in the jar. I get that. But you know, as I said earlier, you, I mean, you don't have to rub everybody's nose in the in the jar. So, right, um, no. you and, know, and they if don't you put just, the genie you, in the jar, but the the look and the feel of it is something yeah. that nobody else is doing. <clears throat> Excuse right. me, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Now, once they can get over their unfortunate business that they're in right now, and they restructure the company, I think that it'll they'll be the breakout. Um, company going forward yeah that's that's it's got to be a trying time for anybody trying to do that kind of thing right now too but so if ben yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give that what's that if ben could do one more show and this is just strictly yep. hypothetical run me down part of the card or all of the card who would you put on your dream card I don't have any idea. <laughs> you, you mean like uh, stars of yesteryear? Stars and, of and yesterday I, up until the time you quit? Your dream card. Huh. That's an interesting question. I hadn't, I had not thought about that. I, I would, uh, I would love to see, uh, um, Ole and Gene wrestle the rock and roll express on both teams in their prime. Oh, Absolutely. That would that would be awesome. Um, I would I would love to see uh, um, Briscoe and Nick Bockwinkle, mm-hmm. and and I I think that that might I think I saw clips of some of one of those on YouTube. That would be awesome to see. Um, would that be your headliner? Probably so. I'd like to see uh, Johnny Powers and Bulldog Brower go at it one more time. I saw them when I was a kid. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's there's so much good stuff out there. It's unbelievable. Um, trying to think. Trying to think. And see, I did there's good. So I, I many... tried to ask questions that nobody had asked you before. You stumped me, man. <laughs> 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 you stumped me. But that's that's three of them. I, I like the old school stuff. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll sit on YouTube and watch Luthez and and you know Carl Gotch and guys like that. Uh, I love to listen to the guys like Frankie Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, talk about wrestling back in the day, the carnivals and the you know the history of it and the the, the things they used to do and all that. I mean, just it's. Uh, I watched a shoot interview not long ago, uh, Don Fargo. 
um, which was amazing. You know, he talked yeah. about how he broke in and he was, you know, he was a bodybuilder, you know, early on and that kind of thing. Just, just really, but that, that's kind of, that's kind of my thing, you know, and, and, I, and um, I get it, you know, the, the, the kids are not into that now, but, you know, I think the, the, the one thing that people miss is, is you can get the kids into about anything. If you, if you lead them to water and then let them drink, you know, right. I think I think I think kids would enjoy real good old school wrestling if there was a if there was a product out there that that they could they could watch and you know it doesn't all have to be broken glass and bombs exploding and, you know and then I think I think truth be known you know again no no dispersion toward anybody or anybody's work rate or any of that that stuff but I mean the, the WWE talks because they, you know the you know the matches just aren't that good, right? I mean that's I because mean that's it's bottom not about line. the matches anymore. It's all about the vignettes and merchandising. It's it's not what it was anymore. Right, right, exactly. And that's good or bad. I don't know. You know depending on your, your I don't you know it's not right or wrong. It's just for me that's a bad. I don't enjoy it. So. Um, of course, nobody asked me. So, <laughs> well, speaking of asking, I actually uh, I put out when I started promoting that I was going to interview. I had people. I, I put out the email address for people if they had questions to ask you, and I got a right. couple of them. So, if you're ready, okay. Cindy Shoot, man. Lumberton wants to know yeah. what happened in Lumberton. How come NACW never came back to Lumberton on a regular basis? We we ran Lumberton twice, um, and and both times it was it was pretty pretty. We, we ran a we ran a theater up there of all things, uh, and it, we did we did yeah, we did okay in the theater. I think we probably had maybe uh, two hundred fifty people maybe in a theater in Lumberton, and the, and the, we had to put the ring on a stage. Yep. Which I didn't like. Uh, so that the, was a rough the, venue. Yeah, it was. So then the next the next time we went, we went to the Armory mm-hmm. in Lumberton, uh, and it was at that time that somebody told me, I forget who the promoter was at this point in time, but they said they said it was going to be really hard to draw in Lumberton because the last time they had had wrestling there was about a year prior. I forget who it was, but they had advertised everybody on the card. Everybody. I mean, they had, you know, stars and all that. And and they they sold out, or nearly sold out, the football stadium at one of the high schools. And nobody showed. And the promoter never showed. It's just nobody came. You know, the the wrestlers never showed up. The ring never showed up. They got all these people sitting in the stands, and nobody ever showed up to do the show. They just kept the money and kept the money. Talk about out, burning your town, man. So I, I I just never did go back. I don't know, hmm. but that's that's why. And and I, I probably would have gone back, but I just I just you know, uh, that's one thing Randall Brown always told me. We're riding along. He said, you know, he would say we can lose money a lot closer to home than this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, that was one of his favorite. That was one of his favorite things to poke me with after a bad show. If you're riding along, uh, yeah, you know we can lose money a lot closer to home than this. Absolutely. 
Uh, Greg from Myrtle Beach wants to know how come the uh, Turbinators, sorry, I don't have my glasses on. How come the Turbinators didn't become champions sooner and how come you didn't keep them? Uh, the, the, the Turbinators, it just, it never did draw. They were both great guys, still are. I, I still keep up with the, uh, with them on Facebook. Um, great guys, but it just never did draw. And, you know, it was difficult. And not just for the Turbinators, but like you said earlier, we'd go in, we'd go into Shalot and shoot four hours of TV in one night. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty much tied you know, you're, whatever you do, whether it draws or not, you're going to be tied to it for the next four weeks, or actually the next five weeks, till you can get new TV out again. Uh, and it just the houses weren't the houses weren't there. They they weren't they weren't coming up. And the, you know, that's the same thing with the Stroh. We were talking about the Stroh and his title run. Uh, Stroh was great. I mean, he's a great worker and the whole thing. It just it just didn't. If Shalot actually fell off, I don't know why. I mean, I'm not blaming him over it, but it just wasn't working out. So uh, that particular night, I was just trying to get the belt off him, not hurt him, and get it to somebody else who had drawn. Uh, so that's why we, we had planned to screw finish with Brad Hunter to put that belt back on Carnage. Uh, and then we figure out what to do with it after that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So so uh, I think, you know, he remembers it a little differently than I do, but I think it made him mad that I was – I was doing that at the time. Uh, in fact, I know it did, um, which was fine. I, I, you know, and I explained to him what I was going to do was have, have him and Brad do a program because Brad came out. He and Brad had wrestled a few times, and he'd beat Brad, you know, could screw, you know, title matches. Mm-hmm. But it was perfect. We'll, we'll send Brad to ringside, and Brad can screw Stroh out of the title, and then Stroh and Brad can do their thing, and we'll, we'll do something else, you know, with the title over there. Um, and I explained that. In the dressing room, I also explained <clears throat> what I was telling you that I told them both, Carnage and Stroh. I said, "Look, the crowd's down. We've got them all packed up on the hard cam." And it, and it wasn't anything goes match. He, he was right about that. That's what it was billed as. But I had told them before they go out there. I said, "Look, y'all don't get out of the ring because if you get out of the ring, we're going to be shooting empty chairs all night." Right. So I said, just, just keep it in the ring. Keep it in the ring. And I told them both that. They're, they're both sitting there, and I'm telling them. So the first thing Stroh did was threw Carnage on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't know if he got carried away or if he... <laughs> well, no, I'll, I'll give you the backstory said, to that. It, uh, honestly, Stroh wasn't mad at the fact that the title was going to change hands. Um, right. There was a lot of internal heat back there because people people were saying that they could do things to each other and it just, it progressively got worse to when we finally got to the building that day, um, somebody opened up their mouth and said, you know, I'm going to beat you within an inch of your life. And Stroh just sat there and said, okay, I'll see you out there. Well, Carnage wasn't going to beat Stroh. Right. That that wasn't no, I mean, you know what I mean? That that wasn't going to happen. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I haven't thought about that in years, so I listened to that interview the other night, and I'm like, well, I don't think that's exactly how that <laughs> happened. But <laughs> but everybody's got their own their own memory of things, and like I say, I don't 
I don't hold any ill will, but it, you know, when it's your money and, and it kind of goes back to the, the gray hair thing, you kind of look at stuff a little different. Absolutely. You know, you, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, I just gave you something as simple to do is stay in the ring. Yep. And, you know, just work, work your match and stay in the ring. And and you go out there in the first 30 seconds and you, and, and you blow it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now we got a surprise. Question. I mean, that, that's that, that's the kind of stuff that just makes you pull your hair out. You know, you know what I mean. Absolutely. Um, and and Stro wasn't the only. One. You, you know, I'm not. I, I have no animosity against Stro or anybody else for that matter. Um, but I mean, that happened a lot. Like, um, you know, even Wood, even Big Wood. Um, uh, you know, we we had them. Uh, we we had them and um, Angel and Dion, or was it Angel and Slim? I think it was Angel and Slim. <clears throat> we had they, we'd been building that up for you know they'd been wrestling for three months and 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 it was doing pretty good. And we had that we were going to have the uh, the blow off street fight in Lenore, mm-hmm. and it was the only time we drew a decent house in Lenore the whole time we went there. Um, we had a pretty decent house that night and Big Wood no shows. He don't come. Mm. So I mean, it happens. There, you know, stuff happens to you. And I, I know, uh, and and I was never mad at him about it. I just, you know, it's just like, you know, what happens? What what happened? Oh, yeah, you know, so and so did this. I mean, it doesn't matter. So we end up, you know, you end up having to change it all on the fly, and then you go back next time, and the house is half what it was, you know. So right. But when it's your cash, it's hard. You know, it's 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 hard to just laugh that off. You know. So. Um, but you know, there again, I mean, I, I love big wood. He's, he's a really good guy and he was then, and it was just something happened that don't normally happen. Dion did it to me. Dion did it when Dion and Angel were the champions. You know, he no showed one night up in uh, Morganton. We had a house full of people out there at the fairgrounds and he just didn't cut them. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that because a uh, surprise question is from black cat Johnson. And okay. he wants to know why he got jobbed out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Don Cosby was a no-shower. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, 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 was, he was tag team champion for a long yep. time. Yep. He didn't they get jobbed out. Good tag team. Every, every, everybody got jobbed when they started. I don't know if you, you know that or not, but if you look yep. back at the tapes, everybody when they came in, they got jobbed. You got jobbed when you came in. Yep. You didn't get jobbed, but you got beat. Right. Now, I got a question about me. Yep. When I first got brought in, I got told that mm-hmm. you had reservations about my character. And I was told that I had to extremely water it down. Who told you that? Carnage. No. I never said that. Really? The uh, the only thing that I ever got really aggravated at you about, and I wasn't really aggravated, and I don't think I ever even said anything to you, and I probably wouldn't have. Um, but it was doing so good. You know, you were doing the gay character, you were working with Ricky, and you had screwed Ricky and Shalom, and everything was going good, and then you, you bring your girlfriend into the matches. <laughs> and y'all, y'all sit out in the crowd. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm, yeah. Sitting here, I'm sitting here thinking I'm rubbing my chin on. <laughs> but that's, I, I never, I mean, I thought that character was great and it, it actually drew great. Uh, 
Yeah, because I think for like the first three or four shows, I watered it down tremendously because I was I was told, and I'm not saying that he did it on purpose. Maybe it was a misunderstanding or something that he had misheard. But I was told that that was that was an area that people weren't comfortable tiptoeing to for me to watch what I did. And then I think it was like the third yeah. or the fourth show there. The message got back. Well, I mean, you you were you were never vulgar or anything like that. I mean, you, no. I mean, you know. I think the worst um, I ever did was in, and I think the world of them now, but back then, you know, Brad Hunter was a handful. And yes. He was very difficult to do business with at times. And when you first told me that I was going to be in that program with him, I think it was, it was either Charlie or Randall. I walked up and I said, don't make me do this. This is, it's not going to, it's not going to work the way that I want it to work. And and I'm not saying that, that right. I had to go over. I, I just, I had very little patience back then for people that thought that highly of themselves. Right. And I was told to just go out there and do it anyways. And so he got out there and he kept getting a little smart. Now, before the match, I actually walked up to the, um, the vending area and I got a hot dog and I put the hot dog and I wrapped it up in a napkin and I stuffed it down the front of my trunks. And I will never forget this because for whatever reason, I forgot we were taping TV and I got out there with Brad and I pushed him back in the corner and I reached down on my tights and I pulled out that hot dog and I slapped him across the face with it four or five times. And then I jammed it in his mouth and he spit it out and he was like, where did that hot dog come from? And I was like, don't worry about it. And I, I remember I got back in the locker room and everybody was popping. They're going, they could not believe that I did that on TV. And I was like, Oh crap. I know I'm going to hear about this. And then flash forward. Oh God, I want to say it was maybe it was a month or so. I think when, when it actually aired and you were doing commentary and I don't remember who you were doing commentary with, but that spot actually made it on TV and you guys no sold it like a champion. Nobody said it was a hot dog. You just said, oh, he's hitting him with the foreign object when you could plainly see it was a hot dog. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. Charlie walked up after that TV aired, and, and I, you know, I'm not trampling a man. I don't know if it was true or not, and you can tell me if it was. But Charlie walked up to me shortly after that, and he's like, you know, you're about to get fired. And I'm like, what? And he goes, you know, that hit the airwaves, and, and you didn't come forward and say, hey, you know, I'm going to pull a rib. And Ben was really hot at you, and I was like, "Ah, oh, crap." <laughs> I, I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't even remember it. So I, I must have been dealing with something much worse than that. that night. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God, because I sat there and I, I looked at it like you said. It's different when it's your diamond. I sat there and I looked at it. I said, "Man, it is." I, if you know, I was young and stupid, and sitting there looking at that, would I allow that on my TV? No. I, I that I'd fire that person so quick their head would spin. Yeah, no, I don't. I really don't even remember it. So it must have been. It wasn't something that. that yeah, it must have been something else going on that was worse. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, even even after that, well, you know, we tried to turn you babyface with Jim Tucker. That was doing okay. Yeah. You, you know yeah, what I mean? Now, you I know, when you turn me. when. I, I got to ask when we, it's, it's driving. Go me, ahead. It, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, what I was going to say was, uh, you know, you and Derek got on the outs, and then Jim comes out 
you know, and saves you. And then we've run into that, you know, into those tag matches. Mm-hmm. And that actually, I mean, that's, that's, that was great stuff. I, I, and people liked it. They got behind it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I never, I never had a problem with the character or any of it. So. Now bring in Jim Tuck. And, and I don't think anybody else did either. Cause I mean, they kept coming and watching. So. Right. Well, that was some that was some great stuff. Now you, you brought up Jim Tucker. There's there's something that I've always wanted to know. We were okay. in I think it was Myrtle Beach, and and uh, Jim and I were set to get the tag straps. And right. It was like maybe I don't know an hour before the start of the show. Jim walked up, and I'm in my gear, and Jim walked up in a street clothes, and he shook my hand, said it's been nice, and he walked away. What happened? I never got an uh, answer. I don't remember. Um, I'm trying to think. I know. Uh, uh, I know he got he got mad at me and he got mad at me in Trenton one night and left. Uh and I don't really remember what he got mad at me over, but that was before the show even started. Mm-hmm. He got mad about something and left. Now that being said, uh, I'm not saying anything bad about Jim. I, I think the world. Oh no, but no, I me neither. I got like an answer as to what happened because oh, yeah. the way the momentum that we had going, it, it just it killed it. I I, I don't know. I, I I don't remember. I really I really I'll tell you if I knew it, but I, I don't remember. I just I, I remember that y'all tagging and, and the matches were good and, and um, but I, I just don't recall. Now, who who came up uh, with that idea to put him and I together? Because uh, that was I'll be me. honest with you when when I first got approached with it, and and it was laid out the odd couple. Yeah, my exactly. first instinct was, oh, this is going to tank. But to whoever's idea it was, to their credit, it really worked. I used to watch a lot of old tapes and try to come up with ideas. And I think it was, I don't know. I want to say I was watching Bugsy McGraw from Florida and teaming with somebody that you would just never expect. Um, I forget. I don't, I don't know. It's been so long ago, but, but that was my idea. and, And there again, it goes back to, I wanted to keep you around. You know what I mean? Because you know, in the, in the, in the in the light of keeping as many talented people around you as you can, because you need them, um, and there weren't that many of them, so you know, okay, well, let's see if, how can we extend this a little bit. Okay, so he's kind of run his run his you know, you know his 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 race as a heel. So rather than do that, let's turn him babyface for a little while, and then maybe we could turn him heel against Jim. You know, just when you think they're going to win, you know players bought him off that's where i was kind of going with it so i, I said there's another you know there's another three months wow. that and the can have matches twist and then well and then you could have had matches on television see i was always trying to feel you know and when you're doing four hours of tv you gotta have different people on them you can't just run the same you know same people out there every you know so everything revolved around that and i i I tell you, and of course I've thought about this some, um, but I, th- I think one of the things that hurt us was when we, you know, we 
at first I did TV in Shalot because the TV later on, we didn't have TV here because Fox wanted to charge me. They, I was on up there for a year or something. Then they wanted to charge me. I forget. It was a bunch of money for that one AM slot. So I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, so Shalot didn't get the TV. So I filmed the TV in Shalot and it, it, it didn't hurt attendance. You know what I mean? So, right. But when we started filming, like, you know, I, I didn't have the, I didn't have the funds to try to, to do what I was trying to do. So pretty much filmed everything. So I'd try to get two hours of TV out of a house show somewhere, you know, so, and once people kind of got the the hook that it was all going to be on TV, then, the, you know, then it was hard to get them to come out and spend that 10 bucks to, to come and see a live. Cause they, they could sit home, you know, in two weeks and watch it on television. Right. Um, or that was my thought. I don't know if that's so or not, but you know, I was just thinking about it. Um, but every, everything revolved around, you know, the television, you know, Friday night's coming. I got to have a TV, you know, Friday night's coming. I got to have a TV. Um, so, so, and that's why we go, if we go back to the Terminators, I, I didn't wait another four weeks, you know, when it didn't do well that first four weeks, I just, I just said, okay, you know, um, let's just, let's spin the dice and try something else. Right. You know, sometimes you got to, I mean, that's all, that's all. Sometimes I mean, you got to put the hammer down. I mean, really, that was, that was just the, you know, that was the, the crux of it. Nothing they did or didn't do, you know, it just didn't, it just didn't do nearly as well as I thought it was going to. But, but um, like I say, they were, I, I like both them boys. They're, they're good boys. Yeah, they were. I thought they were great workers, and I thought that their characters were good. They just, they didn't have. And this is just my opinion. They didn't have the proper dance partners. I'll tell you a funny story about that. Um, when I was telling you about David Mills selling that TV in the in the Middle East, mm-hmm. um, in Malaysia, and Diego Garcia, and so he's down there. So I call this guy in, in England, who's a TV distributor. He said, "Yeah, I'd love to have it." So I sent him the tapes and he calls me back and he said, well, the production is great. He said, but I can't sell this. I said, well, why not? He said, he said, think about it. You're, 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 you're sending it into the Middle East and you've got two Middle Eastern guys on there hollering and whooping like they're speaking in Arabic. Everybody over here speaks Arabic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Didn't think about that. I see you should have booked the Iron Sheik. Yeah, I did book the Iron Sheik. That was quite a night, too. That, that rivaled the Jake night. <laughs> uh, come on now. You can be honest. I'm pretty sure Sheik blew Jake out of the water. Uh, man. The, uh, the Well, Rick Link can tell you the Iron Sheik story, but I'll give you the, I'll give you the uh, abbreviated version. He flew into Greensboro, and he rode with, with Link. And Link brought him to Shalot, and uh, and of course, uh, bless his heart, he could his ankles were so bad he could barely get in and out of the ring. Right. Uh, very nice to me, super. You know, I mean, just super nice to me. And and uh, so I I paid him, and it was one of those nights. You, you might have even been there. He, he, I think he wrestled Brad Hunter. Actually, he didn't wrestle Brad Hunter. He 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 was, he was in a tag, and he got. Uh, Brad put on the put on the chic hat, yep, and went went out and managed him. 
you know, to try to get something out of a match. Um, so anyway, I mean, it turned out okay. What is was it? It was what it was, as you say. The you know the people in Chalope got to see the Iron Sheik, you know, and and they all had a big time. So we go to the anchor afterward. Well, the Sheik disappears. Can't nobody find him. So Link goes back to Randall's place once the anchor shut down, and they're they're trying to find the Sheik. Well, the Sheik had left with somebody at the anchor and gone down to to the. Uh, to one of the dark, uh, the, the, um, what are you going to say? The crack places you buy crack in town. Crack house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so he'd gone down to get to buy some gimmick and, uh, uh, or so they said. So anyway, he's on, he's on the side of the road signing autographs <laughs> at one o'clock in the morning. I the she world champion, world champion. I she can see he's, He's like, so finally they hook back up and, uh, and of course by now it's three o'clock in the morning. His plane leaves at eight. So he's, he's, he, Link's trying to tell him, look, we can't, we, you know, we can, you just gotta have to call. No, no, no. We have to go. We have to go. Sheik will drive. Sheik will drive. <laughs> so, so he said, he, he said he got in the car and he said, he said the sheep drove for about thirty minutes, and I made him pull off. He said because of that time I was wide awake. And he <laughs> said we drove. He said we stopped a mile from the from the airport, and sheep bought a twelve pack of beer. And um, he 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 said they're not going to let you take that on the plane. He said Iron Sheik world champion. <laughs> He said he took that, took his, took his beer and his gimmick. He got right on the plane, flew back to. I think he was out of Atlanta, I believe. <laughs> Only she could get away with it. Yeah, exactly. So he got right on the, got got right on the plane with the, with the beer and headed right on down the road. So, <laughs> but yeah, he said he, he said the sheik drove for about thirty minutes, and he said I was wide awake by then. He scared me to death. <clears throat> I can imagine, you know, yeah. one of the things about those long road trips was the energy level, you know, you get done wrestling your match and your energy levels, you're crashing and, and you're tired and you got miles and miles and miles to go. And one of the things that's out there today that I wish we would have had back in, in our day was Rogue Energy. Rogue Energy is an amazing product out there. It was originally designed for gamers, the gamers that sat up for hours and hours and hours playing those games. And you go to Rogue Energy... And they have so many flavors. They got strawberry lemonade, uh, grape. They got mango, pineapple. My favorite is a fruit punch. Now, the wonderful thing about the fruit punch, it's not like Red Bull or Monster. You, you get that energy high, and then four hours later, you crash and you want to take a nap. That doesn't happen with Rogue Energy. It's a sustained energy throughout the day. And right now, they've got a good deal going on, and we have... Something just for our listeners for the Diego and Divorce Show. Go to ucwforever.com, click down to the partners page, hit the Rogue Energy button. And right now, if you type in the promo code Diego and Divorce Show, you're going to get 10% off of your purchase today. And they've got this really cool, uh, pay, they call it the Patriot Shaker. It's a shaker to shake up your energy drink. It's got a nice American flag on the side. And it, it's perfect for the gym or for the gamers at home to keep right by your side. So once again, go to ucwforever.com, hit the partners page, click on Road Energy. 
Use a promo code Diego and Divorce Show and get 10% off your purchase today. So, Ben, on all of the shows that you threw, the one thing that, that never happened that I always wished was you never went out with the boys. Or if you did, you kept it quiet. Was that a decision you made to keep business business? Or do you have some road stories of your own? Uh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, you know, don't spill anything that's going to get you divorced now. No, 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 no. Nothing like that. And that's that's why, I mean, I... I like to have a cocktail or two or a glass of wine or two, but I, I never was, uh, uh, you know, I never would go to anchor and, and drink till the close or anything like that. Cause I had to get home. I had a business to run. I had a child at home, you know, my wife was here. So, so I never, I never did. I never did do a lot of that on, even when we were out and away, I, I will say that me and Randall, uh, we, uh, we were running a Saturday. It was, we, we ran Bluefield, Virginia at the Pocahontas high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went in there and I mean, literally it, it was, um, I think the, the main event was Buff Bagwell and Rick Stone or maybe Drew Delight. It was Drew Delight Drew for the, Delight, yep. for, for the North American tile. That was the main event. Everybody else on the card was you know we had the, the main attraction wrestled the infernos which was was jim and and uh jim and ray jim tucker and ray grindstaff and mm-hmm. they, i mean we had it, 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 just our guys so i think we ended up having six matches and they were packed to the rafters in there i mean there was almost a thousand people in this tiny little high, high school gym and um it was a great night and we went back we went back like i don't know maybe it was three months later and um, I went up and promoted the show the first time, and um, I took the guys with me. Uh, I forget, it was like the JCs or somebody was promoting the. Uh, it was a, a group like that that supported the high school. It wasn't the JCs, but it was a, a, a civic group like that. And they they did fundraisers and raised money for the high school and the, and the football teams and all that stuff. So uh, they did really well the first time. So I went up. You know, I showed them the first time. I went with them, put the posters out. I took, took the, uh, you know, we took the, went and bought the radio spots, and and uh, we had our TV. Have yeah, TV didn't go in there, but it got close. Um, so it did really well. So the next time I go, um, they asked. It was on a Saturday night, so uh, we thought it would be a good idea to go to the football game. So um, I hooked up with a one of the guys at the and that club and me and Randall went up and, and we, uh, we helped announce the, we did a, we didn't help announce the football game, but we, at halftime we did a, um, you know, a, a, a PSA live at the football game, the Friday, the, you know, the Friday night football game. So we did that. So we were staying over. Uh, well, meanwhile, um, there was a fight at the football game. So I mean, it, I mean, it was just like you know, people fighting, football players fighting, everybody was on the field fighting, turned throwing garbage cans, cars wrecking, trying to get out of there. The cops were there. <laughs> the cops were there. <laughs> Tell me, you got a video camera and you filmed it and put it on TV? No, we left at halftime. 
we left after our deal was over. Me and Randall left and went back. We were staying, I think we were staying at the Holiday Inn. So we went back to the bar to have a cocktail. So in the meantime, now we're seeing on TV, there's a fight. There's a fight at the football game, you know, and the cops. And there's a, there's a car in the driveway sitting on its top. And and uh, so needless to say, the crowd was not all that good the next night. I don't know if it was the fight or the guys just didn't do the, the prep work or what it was, but it was all right, but it wasn't near what it was the first time. Um, but me, me, me and Randall, we, we sat there and, and of course, uh, you know, Randall, he could, he didn't drink often, but when he did, when Randall drank, he, he, he could drink a few, you know? Yes, and did. I think the yep. bill ended up being, there was almost 300 bucks or something. <laughs> like, yeah. Before we, before we got back to the room, uh, so it was it was it, it was a fun night, but it was just me and him sitting there, and of course he's flirting with the bartender, and uh, and you know we're sitting there being stupid, talking about wrestling was what we were doing, but uh, but yeah, it's funny we're sitting there at the bar and we look up, and you know, the local news is coming on at eleven o'clock, and it's showing the big fight at the Pocahontas High School football game. So. <laughs> you know, if Randall would have been there, he'd have grabbed two of the boys and threw them in the middle of the melee and filmed it. Yeah, probably so. Said so NACW so. causes riot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. But you know, they take their football up there pretty seriously, evidently. Uh, but yeah, it was a uh, we, we had a you know we had a lot of good good uh, a lot of good uh, stuff like that off that TV. We would we would go places and and uh, I know we went to Walhalla. Um, we went to Walhalla and we actually filmed TV there, uh, the Walhalla High School. Mm-hmm. And while if you go to Clemson and turn right and just <laughs> drive out into the middle of nowhere, that's where <laughs> Walhalla's at. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so I, they called me and wanted me to come over there and meet with them to do, it, and it was the high school, the uh, the booster club that wanted to do a fundraiser. So I went and talked to them, and I'm like, I mean, there was nothing for miles and miles and miles, you know. I'm like well, who's going to come to this thing, you know, or can we, oh, don't worry, we'll get people here, we'll get people here. So we did it in, um, I don't know, probably an hour hour before bell time. That might have been 15 people in the building. Yeah. And by the by the time the first bell, that place was jammed to the rafters. I mean, really? it was just jam-packed, yeah. Mm. They came from everywhere. I don't know where they all came from, but. They they filled that building up. We had we had four hundred chairs on the floor and sold every one of them. Uh, nice. And and then the left side of the bleachers, it was you know it was a full size high school basketball gym, and we filled up uh, one side of the bleachers and probably the other side was two thirds full. People standing all around the walls. It was it was cool. We had um, we had well we had our guys and then we had. Uh, 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 Jamal, the Wild Samoan, and Bull Buchanan. Uh, I think we had Lash LaRue was there. Um, you were stacking the deck pretty good back then. Ranger Ross was there. Yep. Yeah, that's when we were doing those tapings for overseas. And then, you know, he had to have, he had to have people that were on TV, so he said they wanted. But anyway... That that's really what started me, you, you know, down. The, I'd have probably ran much longer than I did had I not got involved in that. Because I mean, those tapings were, I mean, easily twenty five thousand dollars a throw. 
and you know, and even if you fill the building up, I mean, there ain't there ain't twenty five thousand dollars in the high school gym, right? Uh, so, but anyway, it was it was fun. Looking back, what's your biggest regret about NACW, besides the Africa deal falling through? I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things. I've always been. Um, if I think something will work, I'll try it. And I've been wrong a bunch in my life, but I've also been right right a few times. So, um, I mean, if I hadn't tried to do it, I'd always wondered if I could have. So I tried to do it, and it didn't work out. But, you know, who knows? You never know what's going to happen down the road somewhere. So, um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't, you know, I don't think, I, I don't know. There's probably some of the boys who are, who are mad at me. I guess they, the, uh, um, you know, I, I don't really have any ill will against anybody or, you know, it, if I made you mad, it was just. Well, I don't think any of the boys to make things, are actually to make mad things fly. Yeah. I, I don't think any of them are actually mad at you. I think they might've been at the time, but again, we were all young and stupid back then because everybody uh, I've come in contact with since then. We all look back at NECW's, you know, one of the greatest parts of our careers because of how much fun we had, the structure that there was back then. It was, it's unlike the the, the locker rooms of today. It's a much different atmosphere, and it's sometimes it's right. uh, not fun to be around. And look back at those times where there was so much camaraderie and everything was just fun. It was, um, you know, it was trying at times, but I don't, I don't really regret, you know, there's nothing I, you know, the, the only, uh, uh, Buff Bagwell did threaten to whip me one night, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> true story there too. Um, uh, but, uh, that's the, you know, I never had any trouble with anybody really. I mean, people would get mad, you know, you know, but I always tried to keep it professional and. You know, like I say, if I made you mad, it wasn't on purpose. So, so that that was that. But yeah, Buff Buff was going to whip me one night. So, <laughs> and I guess I don't have anything against Buff Bagwell either. He, he, you know, he was a good guy. I think he was just in a bad place. So, yeah, Mark Mark's had it rough. Uh, last time I saw him, he's yeah. doing much better though. Good, good. Yeah, you know, just 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 uh, just little things like, uh, you you know, just little things people would do to aggravate. Like we ran, I I don't know if you were in uh, Lincolnton, yes, which is over near. Did you did you work Lincolnton for me? And we had we had Buff and Ricky were the tag team champions, Babyface, and they were they were work. I think they were working the Lost Souls in a a cage Mm -hmm. in Lincolnton. And the night before, Buff books himself like. 16 miles up the road in, in the Cabarrus Center <laughs> and works heel for another, for another company. You know, so they, they do, you know, they do 17, 1800 people. I do 300. <laughs> so just little things like that. And, and I get it. He's got to make a living. You know? So I, I never, you know, I never, but you know, I, I think, and I don't know that promoters have always done this, but I always tried to. I always tried to see it from the other guy's purview. 
yeah, he, you know, he's got to earn a living. I get that. But, you know, if you can, just sort of try to take care of mine, too. You know, right. that's all. Be cognizant of what you're doing. Right. And, and, and it, yeah, and I know, and I know he didn't, you know, he didn't set out to, to, to do it, but he, you know, things like that. And, and that happened a lot. It wasn't just, it wasn't just him. It was, uh, there was just a lot of things that, that went on that, you know, if you, if you sat and thought about it a little bit and put yourself in my shoes, you wouldn't have done, you know, kind of thing. Yep, but, absolutely. but, but I, I have no regrets, dude. It was, it was all good. I met a bunch of good people and, um, you know, people that I call friends to this day and, and got to travel around, had a lot of fun. So no, no regrets at all. Outstanding. Well, I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, thank you for the memories because it truly was, it was a fun time in my life and a fun time in my career. And it's something that I'll always hold near and dear to my heart. And I thank you for spending the time with me today. No worries, dude. I'm glad to do it. Enjoyed it a bunch. Now, like I say, I can ramble on for five reunion. or six hours if you wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Now, this NECW reunion, um, knock on wood, the world opens up. Are you going to be a part of that? Yes, absolutely. I'll be there. Outstanding. Yeah, Woody, and Woody actually asked me about that before he put that out there. And I said, you know, my blessing. I, I would love to come and see the guys and be part of that. So, yeah. Happy That's to. Outstanding. That'd be, a good That'd be a fun, be a, be a fun night, you know. No cameras. <laughs> get everybody the back together there, and get tell a bunch of lies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I've thrown anybody under the bus here today. At least I hope I haven't. <laughs> no, it's it's all good. I'm I'm going to save that for the tell-all book, you know. <laughs> I've often when, said when you come to I my chapter, just give me a three-day notice so I can get my affairs in order. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Somebody asked me about Newland online. Somebody asked me something. I forget about Newland. I said, Newland's going to be two chapters in the book, so don't worry about it. We <laughs> get to hear it all. <laughs> oh, God. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you having me, and, and I've enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, call me anytime. Well, I appreciate it, man. And I definitely want to do it again because, like I said, there's so many memories we could do very easily a four hour, six hour podcast. Yeah, yeah, you could do. Uh, I don't have any trouble rambling, so it's all good. But but anytime, dude. If you need some filler, let me know. I appreciate it, my friend. My best to everybody. Like I say, if I if I made you mad, I certainly didn't mean to. Nah, it's all water under the bridge, brother. There you go. Well, thank you. Have a good one. Give my give my best to your Diego show. We'd like to thank our very special guest, Ben Throckmorton. This was a truly amazing experience and a walk down memory. We hope you enjoy it as much as we had talking about it. Once again, go to ucwforever.com, click on our partners page, and show all of our partners some love.